Amen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Calvary Chapel North Shore. If you turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. I'm turning the AC up on the stage. It's like a burger under a heat lamp at McDonald's up here. Couple announcements while you're turning there. Um, we've got uh, children are going to be doing a performance at our Christmas Eve service, the little kids. And so if you want to get your little child, I think. Young, young age, anywhere up to about eight years old or nine years old, uh, in that little performance for Christmas Eve, you can see Ariel or, or uh, Carol, and they'll get you hooked up. There's some sheets out there in the lobby. You can look and get some numbers and call them. We're also doing our Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve. What a concept. So uh, Christmas Eve this year is uh, on Saturday. Christmas Day is Sunday. We're not going to do church on Sunday. We want you to be with your families. We want you to minister because all of you have family that don't know Jesus, and we want you together, and we want you to minister to them. So we will just, instead of doing Sunday service, do Saturday night. It'll be at 630 right here, so come out for that. Also, today is the Agape Feast where we're going to be after second service. We're going to be barbecuing out here. It's kind of a potluck, so you can bring something. Um, it's a chance for you to get to know the other service. And so to come on out and maybe just go home and, and uh, change and, uh, and grab something to, to add and come on back and meet the other service. That'll be right after second service around 11 or so. So come out for that. So with all that being said, um, oh, the theme for this month is for our church. The theme for this month is give. It's to give to others, to give of yourself to bless people. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we look into this season. Obviously, you can see it's Christmas. Um, what is the reason for the season? Jesus Christ. We don't worship trees. We don't worship ornaments. We worship Jesus. So uh, let's keep the reason for the season and share people. Be bold because people are, they're a little sketched. You know, it's such a crazy culture. Everybody gets offended so easy. And you know, if you say Merry Christmas, you offend people. But if somebody comes up and they're a little edgy and they say, well, happy holidays, you make sure you say Merry Christ Mass. <laughs> Stand up for your faith. Can I get a little more light up here, please? Just a little bit. I'm old and I don't see so well. <laughs> Are you guys in Second Thessalonians chapter 2? All right, here we go. Okay, we... I'm calling this part two. Last week we did verses 1 through 12, and I entitled it Post-Rapture, and it was part one. Today is part two, so we're going to be covering the same uh, verses, but I had a lot more to go through that I didn't get to because I only got as far as verse three. So let's read chapter two, verse one. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by the spirit or by the word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means that that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. 
who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Can you say amen? amen? And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Father, uh, we thank you um, for this portion of Scripture that reminds us of your love. That you love us so much that you're going to make sure we're not here for this. And Lord, you'll be judging a Christ-rejecting world for refusing your love and your truth. And Lord, that's going to be a scary time. And so Lord, as we look into these things, even though we're not going to be there, we can look at these things to see how these events are starting to come into play in the world today to show us how close we are to your coming, to show us how close we are to you taking your church out of here and unleashing these things upon the earth. And so, Lord, give us ears to hear and give us an urgency. The time is short and to be about the Father's business. We ask in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We look at this stuff even though we're not going to be there. Paul spent all uh, 1 Thessalonians just encouraging the Thessalonians that Jesus is coming for his church, the rapture of the body of Christ, the taking out of this world, which then launches the seven-year tribulation. The church is not to go through the tribulation. We're not appointed to wrath. He, Paul made that very clear all through 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians deals with the first coming of Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians deals with the second coming. Now, these, these Thessalonians had gotten word that they had missed the rapture, that they were in the tribulation, and now they were looking for the second coming. At the end of the tribulation period, Jesus will come down with all of us riding on white horses, and he'll, he'll put an end to the wickedness on the earth, and he will step down on the Mount of Olives. It'll split in two and heal everything up. And he will then head up his thousand-year millennial kingdom reign. That is called the second coming. So they were looking for the second coming, the appearance of Jesus Christ. And Paul had to remind them, number one, you won't be there during the tribulation. Number two, there has to be a falling away of faith. And number three, there has to be the Antichrist being revealed before Jesus Christ comes in his second coming at the end of the tribulation. So he warns him of these things. Now, I want to tell you, God loves you. Don't you ever forget that. And as we get so close to him coming, people are going to come against you because you stand up for truth. 
We need to stand up for truth. It's going to get crazier and crazier in this world. And God is looking for men and women that will stand up and not be shy to say, I love Jesus and I serve Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. Don't worry about offending people. They don't worry about offending you. But I want to tell you how much God loves you. God died for your sins. God paid the price. He paid a debt that you could not pay, a debt that he did not owe so you could have eternal life and life more abundant. This world is a blink. Eternity, whew, wow. And you want to be with Jesus. Paul had two basic messages in all of his writings. First was the salvation through Jesus Christ, and second was Jesus Christ is coming for his church. He was looking for the eminent return. There was nothing that needed to take place before Jesus came back for the church, and, and he could come at any moment. His wrath is a wrath of God. We, we go through tribulation here, but it's not tribulation from God. It's not the wrath of God. It's tribulation from men, from the world, from Satan. The seven-year tribulation is God's wrath being poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. The origin is the throne of God. You won't be there because God's wrath for the, the believer in Jesus Christ was poured out on the cross when Jesus died for your sins. So God's wrath was poured out on the cross for the believer, so we will not face God's wrath poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. Can you say amen? amen? That's the good news. So we got as far as the falling away, that we know that God's going to take His church up, and then there's going to be this falling away and a revealing of the Antichrist. Verse 3, Let no one deceive you by any means for that day. What? The day of Christ, the day of the Lord, that second coming will not happen until first there's a falling away, that falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. He's full of himself. Satan is always desired worship. He talks about this apostasy, this falling away. Apostasy means departure. It's referring to a departure from the faith, a departure from truth. God's word is truth. And though there's been an apostasy, a, a falling away, a departure from truth, even in the very first century of the church, the purpose of the seven letters to the seven churches was to say, hey, you're, you're doing good here, but you know what? You're a little derailed here. Get back on track. Deception was already creeping into the church in the first century. So there's been this, this constant battle of this, the departure from truth been going on for the last 2,000 years, and now we're in a, a, a time of history which is called Laodicea where the church has become very lukewarm. And, and they, don't, they don't teach truth anymore, and they embrace the culture. They want to be hip, and, and so they, they don't talk about things that offend people, but the, the cross is an offense. And when your sin gets mentioned, it's an offense because God wants you to get that sin right. He doesn't want us to have church and just play church, sugar and spice and everything nice. God does love you, but he, he's looking to purify his bride. And if you really understand the depths of God's love, you'll want to please him. And so there's a great 
apostasy, a departure from the faith. The Word of God teaches of a departure from the faith in the last days. 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's what's happening in the church today. There are churches out there under the banner of Jesus Christ that are speaking, preaching doctrines of demons and things that are not of Christ. Now, in 1 Timothy, it says, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. That's a key word right there, some. When Paul's talking to Timothy in the last days, in our days, the last days, some will depart. But here in 2 Thessalonians, he's talking about all. Uh, a total falling away. How does that happen? Well, when the church is raptured out, when all the true believers are taken off this earth, it only leaves what? Unbelievers. Now, we know millions are going to get saved during the tribulation, but right when the church takes off, that only leaves unbelievers because only believers go up. So you got a whole world full of unbelievers. Think of the chaos there. What happens when the Christian voice is gone? Nobody's going to bat an eye at abortion. Nobody's going to bat an eye at same-sex marriage. Nobody's going to bat an eye at evil. It's just going to go full force because now we got the problem out of the way, those Christians. And the New Agers have already painted the scene. The New Age movement is, is accept the aliens that come down. They'll heal our earth, and we need to trust the aliens. And if we don't put our faith in the aliens, then, we'll, then you'll be removed from this planet. So when we all disappear, you got the New Agers going, see, we told you. Because they would not believe the truth, they believed the lie. There'll be a falling away, and, and then there'll be a revealing of this Antichrist. This Antichrist will be a man that is possessed by Satan himself. Crazy. It says he's going to sit in the temple of God and demand to be worshipped as God. You said, wait a minute, Steve, there's no temple. I know. But there will be. How do you know? Because the Bible says so. The Bible's never been wrong. You remember when the Bible said that Israel would be a nation again, and for 2,000 years, everybody was starting to question that, and we got that replacement theology going in, like the church replaced Israel. The church never replaced Israel. God said they'd have become a nation in one day. What happened? May 14, 1948. Israel nation once again. 2,000 years they wandered around. God's word, is, it never fails. So if there's going to be a temple there, they're going to build a temple. It's going to happen. And when that temple's built, this Antichrist will sit down in the temple declaring that he is God, worship me or die. Whew. He's going to be smooth talking. This is going to be a guy that everybody wants to know. He's going to have all the answers for the world crisis. I mean, think about it. The, the, the Christians disappear. Ezekiel 38 happens where all the Islamic countries surrounding Israel come up against Israel. God squashes Islam, wipes out five-sixths of the enemy. Everything's just chaos, and this guy's going to come in with, with a seven-year peace treaty. Seven-year tribulation, seven-year peace treaty, and he's going to say, Let's, can't we all get along? I got the answers, and everybody's going to marvel at the words that come out of his mouth because he's empowered by Satan himself. 
And they're going to buy into this guy. And they're going to help build that temple. And when that temple is completed, right in the middle of the tribulation, he's going to sit down he's going to worship me or die. Take my mark or die. It's going to be scary times. John says, the Apostle John in 1 John 2.19, he says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it's the last hour. So he's saying that many Antichrists, anybody that opposes Jesus Christ is Antichrist, okay? 1 John chapter 2, verse 22 says this, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. So if you deny the Father and the Son, you say Jesus is not the Christ, you are Antichrist. That's the Word of God. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. That's good news. Are you acknowledging the Son today? You have the Father also. Now, um, some of my Israeli friends might be watching right now. They're going to be a little upset with me with what I just said. I'll probably get an email. Because I said, he that is Antichrist is he who denies uh, the Son. Because Jewish people, they have the Father, but they don't believe in the Son, Jesus Christ. And right here it says in John, 1 John, it says, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, it says, by this you know that the... the by this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So John says here that there are many Antichrists. He says there is the Antichrist that's coming. Um, we won't know who he is because we won't be here, thank God. If you don't know Jesus, you will find out who he is, and you don't want to be there, so get saved today. There is many Antichrists, there is the Antichrist, but then there's the spirit of Antichrist, which is everything that opposes Jesus Christ. But we are not looking for the Antichrist, we are looking for Jesus Christ. I believe he's alive today. I believe the Antichrist is alive. He just won't be revealed till we're gone. And the world is looking for some, some man, some special guy who's going to rise up. Remember, Jesus said, I came in my own name, you received me not. Another will come in his name, and him you will receive. Now, I read this last week, but I'm going to refresh your memory. Uh, Ex-Belgium Prime Minister Paul Henry Spake said this. This is in Europe. We don't want another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all the people and to lift us out of this economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, and be he God or the devil, we will receive him. The world is being groomed for the Antichrist. In Daniel 8.25 says about this Antichrist that through his policies... Also, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. He shall magnify himself in his heart. And by peace, he shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of peace, Jesus Christ. But he shall be broken without hand. God's just going to open his mouth and smoke him. But it says that through his policies, this Antichrist is going to rise up in Europe. He's a politician. 
through his policies. The world is looking for the great politician. He's a counterfeit. He counterfeits everything Jesus does. Jesus is God. He wants to be God. Believers worship Jesus. He wants to be worshiped. God says he has his mark on his believers. The Antichrist, Satan, wants his mark on you. Jesus died and rose again on the third day. Satan, with his lying wonders and miracles and phoniness, is going to appear to be killed and then appear to rise from the dead and everybody will say, who can stand against him? This guy dies and can raise himself from the dead. He tries to copycat everything Jesus does. He comes out of Europe, Daniel 7. In verse 5, it says, Paul says to the people, do you not remember when I was still with you? I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only he, you notice that in your Bible, that's capital H, he who now restrains will do so until he, capital H, is taken out of the way. And then the lawlessness will, lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Yeah, come on. You can get excited. Work with me. It makes me excited. Okay, Jesus is coming. The lawless one will be destroyed. Satan will be dealt with. I'm looking forward to that. Remember I told you I'm Pentecostal. So he warns us, but what does he say here? He says, here's what's going on right now. Check this out. Right now, the Holy Spirit is like this. He's holding back evil. You say, well, if he's doing that, he's not doing a very good job. That just shows you how insane evil is right now. Okay? So he who restraineth is restraining until he's taken out of the way. So when the church goes up, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're the only thing that's preserving, that prolonging the judgment. In ancient times, they put salt on meat to keep it from rotting. You're the only thing that's keeping this world from fully rotting. You're the light of the world. You, you are the, the reflection of Jesus Christ. You are the salt, preserving, keeping the judgment from happening. But when the Holy Spirit takes us up at the rapture when Jesus calls for us and we go up and we are removed, we're no longer preserving this world. And the Holy Spirit will still be active on the earth. There will still be the gospel going out. There will still be angels preaching the gospel. There will still be the 144,000 that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. There, there's going to be the gospel is going to be going out. But the one who restrains the Holy Spirit will be like this. The church will go up and he'll step aside and evil will just go, and all hell is going to be released on a Christ-rejecting world. You do not want to be there. If you haven't made that commitment to Jesus today, don't leave here without it. Come up and pray with me after the service. Come up and pray with some of our leaders. Get saved. And I say that because Jesus could come today. Are you ready? You need to be ready. Don't fool around with this. This is serious stuff. In verse 9, he says this. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm getting excited. 
Verse 9, it says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Well, he makes that really clear. With all power, signs, and lying wonders. That means Satan does have power. Not yet. The lawless one is the Antichrist. And, and he's possessed by Satan. So he's coming. He's going to have powers. He's going to have lying signs and wonders. Now he is not as powerful as God. He is no match for Jesus Christ. Now listen to me carefully because I don't want you to miss this. Satan is not the opposite of Jesus. Satan is the opposite of Michael the archangel. Nobody is even in the realm of Jesus. You know, when you hear people say, well, Jesus is number one out of all the gods. No, that he's not number one out of all the gods. He is number one all by himself. But this satanic antichrist possessed by Satan will have power. Signs and lying wonders, and he will deceive the world. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And so if you don't receive the love of the truth, the word of God, and you're in this period, you're going to be deceived is what it's saying. You're going to believe the lie. God's going to send a strong delusion to those who rejected him. And this man's going to come on the scene with power and everybody's going to go, wow, look at this guy. He's the all-powerful, almighty. Who could come up against him? And it's all deception. To deceive the world. Deception and delusion are big time today, aren't they? Say amen if you agree with me. Yeah. Everything we watch on TV, watch the news, oh my gosh. You think you're getting the truth? Deception is running rampant in our world. But let me tell you this. You will never be deceived if you know the Word of God. That's why I said to you last week, and I always say to you, know your Bible. Know your Bible. Because, listen, if you don't know your Bible, you'll get sifted like we. You'll listen to the news and go, oh, must be true. I heard it on the news. Deception. Anybody ever heard the term fake news? They just lie to our face right now, don't they? I don't know what you listen to. Maybe you listen to CNN, the Communist News Network. Or maybe you're listening to MSLSD. Or you read the Washington Compost or something. I don't know what you're listening to. But when I know, because I have the Holy Spirit, I'm like you. I watch the news and I go, are you kidding me? And when you know our border's out of control, we're in a recession, inflation's out of control, crime's out of control, and then somebody gets on the news from this current administration and says, uh, the border's under control, we're not in a recession, there's not a lot of crime, everything's okay, we have more jobs than ever in the last 50 years. It's lies. Now you're saying, Steve, now you're getting political. No, I'm getting biblical. I'm trying to show you to have a heads-up awareness. Don't be consumed with news, but understand what's going on because as you see our world pushing for a one-world global rule, it's happening, and if you aren't seeing it, you're not looking. 
You say, well, why do we study this end time stuff if we're not going to be there? So we know how close we are. So when I see the world pushing for a one world rule, the World Economic Forum wants one world rule by 2030. That's seven years away, and they're shooting for it. That means Jesus is coming super quick. Deception. Do you know why theater was invented? This will blow you away. To sway the people to believe an agenda. So in ancient days, empires ruled by one man or a couple people, they would say, listen, you know, the last thing you want is the people to rebel. So they said, listen, we, we want to put this thing into play but we're afraid the the people will rebel so let's start let's start doing theater the actors were called hypocrites now that term's not very nice today because it means that you're acting like someone you're not you're a hypocrite but in those days that's what actors were called because they were portraying a role that they weren't they were acting they were hypocrites and so what they would do is that they would take a good guy, the guy that they wanted to be the victor, and they would implement what the government wants the people to get behind, and he was shown as the good guy, and then the, the guy who knew it was wrong, he's portrayed as the villain. The villain comes after the good guy. The crowd gets upset, but the good guy prevails and squashes the villain and has his way. The crowd cheers. Everybody claps. Then, down the road, after that play has played, then the government inputs their desire for the culture, and some people that didn't see the play go, well, I don't know about that. But then the ones that saw the play go, you know, I saw a movie like this, and I think that sounds sensible. We should get behind this. Do you not think that's what's happening to people today? You ever heard of redirection? We're going to start something over here on this side of the globe as we move everything out the back door over here. Get everybody's attention over here so we can move our plan through here. That's what's going on, guys. Let's create a problem, get everybody to freak out, and we'll give them the solution that we already had before we created the problem and introduced it. It's demonic. Gosh, I'm running out of time. Um, I spoke to somebody who back in 2019, early 2019, got invited to a Russian conference. It was funded by a California university. They were sent there for free. This is early 2019. COVID hit in the later part of 2019. They went to Russia and the theme of the conference was globalism, one world rule. One of the sessions was on COVID. They were going to show you exactly the origin of where it would come out of, which country it'd go to first, 
which country to go to next, and then the next one, then the next one, then the next one, and then they said they already had the answer for the problem. It was a pandemic. Whether you want to believe it or not. I'm not getting political. I'm getting biblical. He says in the last days, these things are going to happen. They're going to be deceived. And they're going to play this card as long as they can. And when they can't, they're going to bring another one. Mark my words. Because why? They want globalism. How do you get globalism? You've got to bring the world to its knees. The whole world was brought to its knees for the first time in the history of man. The whole world was locked down. And it wiped out economies. You've got to destroy all the economies in order to get a one-world rule. They're going to keep this thing alive. It's, it's creating a panic, introducing it into the community, the culture, while you already have the answer, the solution to the problem, but once everybody starts to panic and freak out, then you come forward and you say, listen, hey, we got the answer. But if you want to get back to normalcy, in your life, you're going to have to give up a few of your rights. And everybody will go, yeah, yeah, just make everything normal. And then they'll introduce another one, and everybody will panic, and they'll step in and say, hey, we got the answer, but you have to sacrifice a few more rights. That's what's going on right now. You know how I always tell you to study the Bible? Don't take my word for anything. Do the same thing with the news. Hello. Do your research. There are groups of really honest people that put out honest information. You get more honest stuff coming out of Europe than you will U.S., so my question to you today is, are we in a climate crisis? Because this is part of the whole WEF, World Economic Forum, globalizing, and they're using they're riding climate. They say we're in a climate crisis. Oh, the, the glaciers are melting. The polar caps are melting. And there's flooding. The temperatures are rising. Global warming. Florida is going to be underwater in just a couple years. Have you heard that? So let me ask you, are we in a climate crisis? According to the news, we are. According to Al Gore, we are. According to the other politicians, we are. Oh, boy, we're, you know, we, we need to stop all this and that because we're, we're the global warming. You want to know the truth? Every so many years, hundreds of scientists from all over the world collect data and they put out a climate report. Every so many years. This report is a 2,800-page report of data, numbers, and statistics of temperatures, of sea levels, of everything that takes place. Out of those 2,800 pages produced by scientists with no agenda, it is narrowed down to a 40-page list that is formed by bureaucrats and policymakers. They then narrow it down to 10 bullet points to give to politicians. And the scientists who wrote the 2800 page 
document said the 10 bullet points aren't even close to what they said. So, is the temperatures rising on the earth? Yeah, they are. You want to know how much they're rising? In the last 100 years, it rose one degree. Every century, it's rising one degree. I think we can handle that. Did you know that more people die from the cold than they die from heat? Four to one. If you're in a third world country, it's 20 to one. More people die from cold. You can handle the heat. You can go in the shade, stay hydrated. You can handle the heat, but you can't handle the cold. More people die from the cold. What about the sea levels? Sea levels have been rising, but not due to global warming. It's because of extreme winters. Because the winters are more extreme, they're producing more ice and snow on the mountains. And when the mountains melt with their ice and snow and it runs off, there's a thermal expansion of our oceans. It causes the ocean to rise because of more runoff from the mountains from snow and ice. Sea levels have been rising since the mid-19th century. They first discovered that the sea was rising in 1850, long before we were emitting anything into the atmosphere. And in the last hundred years, it raised 30 centimeters. That's 11.8 inches. So every century, the water is rising. Every hundred years, it's rising 11.8 inches. That's doable. Throw out some sandbags, build a seawall, build your property a little farther back from the shoreline. And you won't be here to see it anyway because you're not going to live to be 100. The, all this cry and scream, the world's going to be flooded. Uh, newsflash, God sent a covenant. It's called a rainbow. It's not going to be flooded. That's his word. Why? Because he's going to burn it. Sorry. He's going to burn it instead and make a new one right before your eyes. We are watching the world becoming brainwashed with something that has no scientific backing being pushed by people who have an agenda. Many are calling this push for this one world rule and climate change. They're calling it a religion, and it, and it surely is. They've got their own commandments. Go online. Look at the WEF. The Pope's got new commandments for the, for the climate change. If you're, if you're Catholic, I, I'm not trying to offend you. I know there's good Catholics that are saved. There's, there's Catholic priests that actually teach the word, but the Catholic system is messed up. The WEF has their commandments. They have their prophets prophesying where the world's headed unless we all get in line with them. They have their pastors teaching lies and deceit. It's a religion. Check this out. Last month, November 17th, 2022, this global religion clergy held a multi-climate UN summit in Egypt. They had all the who's who's from Whoville fly in to hold this big summit crying out how badly we're destroying our planet and how quickly and how we all need to get in line together, one world rule, 
And the funny thing is, is all these who's who's from everywhere, they didn't all get on one plane and save money. They all flew in their big giant private jets, including the Pope, to this location. And at the summit, the Pope got up in front of everybody and he called them to repentance. And, and you might think, well, that's good, isn't it, Steve? Well, it is if it's repenting to God, but it wasn't. He didn't call for everyone to repent to God. He called for a repentance to the goddess of Gaia. That's Mother Earth. We all need to repent to Mother Earth. So I guess now Earth is more important than God. And Earth can forgive our sins. Earth is the creation of God. Romans 1.25, Paul said, talking about people like this, that they exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creation rather than the Creator. And because they won't believe truth, they're given over to the lie. And people are being deceived. That's why we got to get the Gospel out, you guys. Don't be satisfied that you're saved. Have a broken heart for the lost. These people that are being deceived by all this junk that you see going on in the world today, they're blinded. They need the truth, and the truth will set them free. And God wants you to be that person that He uses. Do you love Him? Serve Him. He loves you. He gave His life for you. Just serve. We're out of here soon. You don't have to serve Him very long. This new world religion makes the planet more important than people, and people all around the world are hurting without energy, high inflation, and poverty because they're trying to stop fossil fuels from being used worldwide, and it's killing people. These moral elites that have everything that they want don't care about the millions that are dying because they can't have fossil fuels to heat their homes, to do their fields, to get things done. And, and these moral elites with all their morals are actually, actually the result, the cause of millions of people dying. And nobody listens. Some 800 million Africans have no constant energy. Their energy that they have is 1-3% to 3 of what Americans use every day. Some 3 billion people in the world are living on the same amount of power as one American refrigerator. These so-called moral elites are banning loans and investments for infrastructure in Africa, condemning them to energy poverty, which causes total poverty, which leads to death. They can't grow their crops. They can't do their fields. They don't have fertilizers. Why? Cows are the problem. They fart and they're destroying our atmosphere. That is such a joke. Did you know when they first started this campaign back in 1979, they have spent billions of dollars on global warming and cleaning the air, and the CO2 levels have not changed at all since 1979? They tell us that solar and windmills are the answer, but they can only supply 8 to 10% of what the world uses. But what happens if your country, if there's no wind that day? And what about the countries that 300 days out of the year are cloudy? The world is being deceived by the deceiver. 
We are in the last days. This shows you how close we are. I'm, I'm trying to tell you guys, we are going to see Jesus in our lifetime. I believe it. That's my opinion. I believe it. I look at what's going on here. It's nuts. We have seen more happen biblically in the last two years than in my entire life. We are in these last days, but we are here for such a time as this. And Jesus warned us in Matthew 24, don't be deceived. That's the warning. Matthew 24, speaking of the last days, he says to his disciples, don't be deceived. That's why when you listen to news, you want to throw something at the TV because you know you're being fed a, a lie. Verse 9 says, The coming of the lawless, none, lawless one, and according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they shall, they shall be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness i got to wrap this up. I'll tell you what, you know what, i got so much to say. Um, you might even want to stay in second service because then I'll be able to say everything I couldn't say because of time. But I'll tell you what, you, when you hear people tell you, well, you know, everything you're saying is true, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to accept Jesus now, I'll do it. If you, the church disappears, then I'll get saved. No, you won't. It says that God's going to send you a strong delusion. But Steve, people get saved. I know they do. But if you are here today and you know the truth, you've heard the gospel, you even believe that it's all true, but you say, I don't want to commit myself because I love my unrighteousness. Then when we disappear, you'll be sent a strong delusion because you knew the truth and you rejected the truth. And God says, you know what? You didn't want me. You pushed me away all your life. I'm just giving you what you want. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of God in this but denying the power of it. Sugar-coated, Paul. Wow. He called it out. And though all that is going on today, I, I just want to tell you God loves you. He doesn't want any of this for you. He loves you with such a love. Did you know the Father loves you with the same love that he has for the Son, Jesus Christ? Is that amazing? That should blow your mind. And so he says, and I'll close with this. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, he says, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. Last thing I'll say. Newsflash, we win. Amen? 
Father, we thank you um, that we win. And we thank you that we've put our trust in you, Lord. But there's so many out there that don't know you in our communities, Lord God, in our families. And so, Lord, would you put an urgency in our hearts to reach them for your glory? Lord, would you just arrange divine appointments and give us wisdom from above to be ready to give an answer to every man? And if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus today, we're going to do communion. And while uh, David plays a song, you're going to come forward and we'll partake up here together when you're ready. Take some time with the Lord. Pray for strength. But if you don't know Jesus, I want to pray with you. So as we come up here for communion, come right up to me. I'm going to be down here in the front. Joshua, would you come up here and just lead in communion? And... Uh, I want to pray for you. I want you to receive Jesus Christ. I, I want you to escape what's going to come upon this world. I want you to escape hell and live forever with the true and living God. So take a time and pray and then come forward.